Welcome to 40 Years to Freedom podcast. You're listening to Jen today, and I am so excited that my lovely Brittany is back today. Brittany, how are you, honey? Um, You know, I've been better. I definitely have been better, but I'm happy to be here. Uh, It feels good to be out of the house and be here with you. Absolutely. And this is like our little decompression. This has been my therapy over the last year. So this it is. So I'm glad that we're going to get into what's going on with you. What's going on with Veda. And I did a little bit of a podcast. I told you about um, a couple weeks ago with a little bit of an update. We didn't know a whole lot then. That was, again, the most uncomfortable podcast I've ever done because I did it all by myself and it was only six minutes and I could barely get through it because I felt like I was an emotional wreck the Mm -hmm. entire time. I made sure to have our editor, Allie, listen to it beforehand and I'm like, I think it sucks. She's like, I think it's great. I think you're just concerned for your friend and you're trying to help your friend. Mm -hmm. And I was just like, okay, post it. Like, let's let's go with it. So let's get right into things. Let's start at the beginning, right? So Mm -hmm. we've already done the whole seizure podcast. Mm -hmm. So everybody knows about that. Mm -hmm. But the last time we podcasted, we did the summer podcast right Mm -hmm. after Memorial Day. Everything was good. Mm -hmm. Everything was like a normal, normal summer we Mm -hmm. were starting to have. Mm -hmm. And then what happened? So one thing I've learned in life is life happens when you're making plans. And we were doing that. We were making plans about our summer, you know, excited for everything, all the new things I was going to experience with my daughter. I'm going to really try not to cry, but I'm probably going to cry through this. I'm here for you. um, So um, May 31st, so literally days after we did that podcast, um, Beta developed a fever. And if anyone listened to our um, prior one about her seizure um, when she was four months old, it started with a fever. Um, I was at work that day and... um, um, Nancy, which is um, Veda's great aunt who watches her, um, called to let me know that she got a fever and it spiked really quick. So she gave her some Motrin and immediately I just like felt in my core like I needed to get to her. And of course, I'm like halfway through a client, so I can't just leave work. You yeah. know, it's not that easy. You're going to have to take these foils home and watch them out yourself. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I was gluing in extensions and I was halfway done. (laughs) Oh my goodness. She had literally one side of her head done. Um, And so I kind of just like bottled up, stopped talking. I called Brad. I was like, you got to get off work ASAP. You got to go get beta just because I want eyes on her. Um, We know that fevers are a scary situation, Um, but we have gotten through other fevers. Totally fine. Um, So I get home and we're also at this time going through a house remodel. And so um, Brad, my father-in-law, they were putting in things for our sink and, um, Veda was still good. Um, You could tell she was just like a little bit more tired, um, but she was still like up, um, giggly in her walker. um, And, you know, I just kind of was just with her and like let her be and was Mm -hmm. trying to watch that fever. Excuse me. The next morning, June 1st, um, we had a rough night. I couldn't break her fever. Um, I got tried to get in with my primary, couldn't get in with him, so I got in with a nurse practitioner that we know um, to try and test for a UTI because that's again what caused Started her fever last, last time. time. And I couldn't find any other signs of why she was having this fever. You know, it could have been teething, could have been anything. That's what I ta- told you because you sent me a picture and you're like, "Why can't I catch a break?" And I'm like, "She's teething. Mm-hmm. Like this is what happens every time they start to break through." Right. 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 Okay. And so I'm like, I'm just gonna go get her tested for a UTI real quick um, because our doctor did say if UTIs were cr- happened again it might be a chronic thing we need to look into more um got her tested for a uti um she didn't have that um so that night we went home brad noticed that was the thursday night that um she was really weak and like that's kind of what happened when she was four months old she kind of lost like her ability to function like hold her neck up hold her body up um and you know like this her is, total body strength yes and this was my 10 month old that was crawling around and pulling herself up on things and she just had Saying, a lot of Dada, like yeah. crazy yeah yeah you know a completely normal um child and so the next morning her weakness was even worse and she just slept terribly she was just having these like convulsions all night every 15 minutes she'd wake up crying in pain and so we get to the emergency room um we you know have her tested for everything blood urine all that um everything's still coming back normal at this time her fever had broke and so they said you know if you guys want to go home go home um just keep an eye on her if it doesn't get better come back 
Um, so we do that. And um, the next day, the June 3rd, um, we slept a lot. And I thought, okay, good. Rest is what she needs. You know, mm-hmm. she's going to just pull out of this. And um, she woke up from her nap around 2 p.m. And this was exactly 24 hours after we left the emergency room the first day. And um, she was not getting any better. In fact, like weakness wise, she was worse. Um, She was like limp, like paralysis. Mm -hmm. And um, so I just said, Brad, we got to go. We got to go back. We walk into the emergency room. We didn't even make it to the children's ER. And the triage nurse was like, holy shit, limp baby, come with me. And he took me right in and he starts questioning me. And I just I'm going through the whole dialogue I just went through about how everything started and what we've done so far. And um, he kind of was like, well, what? What, you're you're not telling me something. Tell me what happened last night. And it's like, bro, I'm telling you everything. I've done I've done every step that a parent's supposed to do in this situation. And so I was really like angry with him because mm-hmm. this wasn't anything of our doing, you know. And so is that what he was? Trying it's what to, it felt like okay. to me. And, um, you know, I could have just started because your emotions are everywhere to exactly. at the same time. And he sees a lot in triage. So, you Guaranteed. know, you, I'm sure he was just doing his job. Good and bad. So Ex- he's a, that's exactly what he's trying to tap into, right? Yes. Okay. Um, so we get back into the emergency um, room and the doctor from the day before sees us. He comes back in and, you know, Veda was so weak they started putting IVs in her arms and she was just limp screaming crying of course because she was just so in stress of everything that was going on but like she didn't even flinch her arms trying to get these IVs in um, my poor little girl has such um, hard veins to find they're so deep and so little that they blew out two veins and then they had to go somewhere else to try to find them and this poor little girl is not flinching at mm-hmm. all like complete paralysis like she can't feel anything yeah and um, so finally they're like okay we're gonna do a lumbar puncture um, we want to check her spinal fluid we're gonna get her in for EEG um, we're gonna get her in for an MR- brain MRI um, and like all these things just start happening really quickly quickly um and so they did the lumbar puncture that came back clear so all these tests are coming back clear like her blood tests her urine tests her spinal fluid um they did a culture to check for meningitis but that takes a couple days so that went off um they did the um Oh, no, no, no. So then they want to admit us. Uh, and because, you know, she's it's clear something is wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, and we are like, all right, we got it. This is what we got to do. Um, this is at the Children's Hospital, correct? This is at Renown. Okay. Yes. Okay. And um, so then they want to do the um, EEG or I'm sorry, the MRI. And um, in order to do MRI, they usually sedate you. And I was like, you are not sedating my baby. She's so weak right now. She is not going to get out wake up from this plus they usually um sedate them so they don't move and clearly she's not moving and so i refuse to let them sedate her um that she went in for the um brain scan and obviously she didn't move and they were able to get the images that they needed nothing wrong there um the next day, um, they decide to do a MRI on her whole body. And again, they want to sedate her. But still, she's just like beyond weak. Um, yeah. Can't hold her head up. Can't lift her arms. Nothing. No movement whatsoever. Is she making any noise at this point? Like sounds? or No. Unfortunately, the last noise that she made, um, Brad had made a joke when we were in the emergency room the day prior before we got admitted. And um, she giggled and said, Dah. And that was the last time we heard her voice, unfortunately. Um, And that was, you know, June 3rd. So, um, yeah, that's been really hard. But um, so, no, she's not making any noise at this point. Um, Crying a lot. Um, So they bring her in for another um, MRI, this time on like full spine. So they can just see if there's anything going on in there. Um, oh, I wouldn't let them sedate her again. Um, they were really frustrated by that because these MRI machines are so expensive and a lot of people in the hospital need to use them. And if we're wasting time, cause if it's like three minutes takes one whole image and at two minute, 45 seconds, she moves, that image isn't good. And we had to do an hour and 45, 15 minutes of imaging. Um, thankfully just that first, and it's so loud in there and Mm -hmm. it's crazy if you've ever gone to MRI. Um, so, and I couldn't be in there with her, so she had to feel 
so confused. But um, luckily, she got through it. She didn't move. One image they had to re-image, um, but they got all everything that they needed. Um, and they came back. Spine looks good. They said that she had a little bit of inflammation down at her cardia equinar, whatever that's called, down at the very bottom of your spine where all the nerves end. Mm-hmm. Um, and so... <clears throat> And this time, by this time, it was like Sunday night in the hospital, and I we just don't have any answers yet. And as a mom, and your baby is in this condition, you are besides yourself. Mm-hmm. And I called to ask the doctor to come in. It was like 8 p.m. because I wanted to know if anything had grown yet on her meningitis test, on her culture. Um, and the doctor didn't come in until midnight, and it was just like come on guys like I'm requesting to talk to my doctor and nobody's coming in we were just on the pediatric floor and like I didn't feel like anybody was taking our case seriously um I'm sure they were and they have other patients but in my eyes it's like this was this was my worst day and these are these doctors and nurses every day Mm -hmm. you know yeah and so um, he finally came in, and um, when he came in, he asked me to get Veda up. I get her up. Her her IV comes out um, just because I'm trying to work with a paralyzed baby that I've never dealt with before, and blood's going everywhere. I'm hysterically crying. I'm kind of losing it on the doctor. And um, finally, like, he, because it was his first time on shift with us, um, realized, like, this is serious. Like we, I will be back in here first thing in the morning, get some sleep with your nurses and doctors and we're going to make a plan basically. So, um, my family gets there and, um, the neurologist comes in. We had every doctor in our room that morning. Um, the neurologist says based on her, um, MRI that, um, she thinks that she has Guillain-Barre. And um, Guillain-Barre puts you into like this paralysis. Most people with Guillain-Barre have to be on a trach um, because they can't do anything. Um, Veda at this time was still taking bottles, but not like to the extent that she needed to for proper nutrition. Um, So they moved us over to the ICU and they decided to do a um, synthetic blood transfusion called IVIG. Um, And what that does if you have Guillain-Barre is there's no... There's no cure for Guillain-Barre, but it it stops your body from attacking itself, basically. Um, And you don't progress any worse. Um, So at that time, we were just hoping for answers. And so it's like, yes, let's do this. I want to do anything. Really quick on that one. How did they come up with that conclusion? Like that that was the Guillain-Barre? That was just the neurologist based on the paralysis. Because there's no test for it, right? There's no test for it other than sometimes you can see inflammation on the spine. And there is a neuromuscular test that you can do where your nerve and muscle junction isn't speaking to each other. Um, We, unfortunately, in this town don't have a pediatric neuromuscular specialist. So she was going off of her symptoms and the inflammation on the spinal MRI. Okay. Sorry to interrupt, but I just wanted a little bit of a... It's important information. Um, So... Um, we get transferred to ICU, and um, I just want to say ICU... my experience, I don't have a ton of positive things to say about Renown. Um, doesn't mean they're not a good hospital, just my specific experience. But pediatric ICU, the PICU at Renown, they were phenomenal to us. They were, I've never been more nurtured by nurses and doctors that really felt like they cared. Because on just the pediatric side, I didn't get that feeling that they really cared. Um, once we got to ICU, Everything kind of happened a little bit quicker. She got the transfusion. It was a two-day transfusion. She couldn't eat for the two days. They just had her on IV. Um, and it they do it over the course of two days just to make sure she doesn't have a reaction because this transfusion is basically other people's blood um, and plasma that they've spun down and then put into your body. And they just want to make sure her little 10-month, 10-and-a-half-month-old body didn't react to that. Mm-hmm. Um It also can cause severe headaches, nausea, all sorts of stuff. So they just want to do it slowly. Um, So after the two days, um, I, I can't say that I saw her improve from that or if like we were just seeing her improve from now what we know that she's going through. Um, She did just start getting a little bit more 
lively and happy again. She was very depressed in those first few days, we could tell. Mm-hmm. Um, so we were in ICU for a week. Um, and after the whole week, they kind of told us, you know, you got to go back to the pediatric side because her heart is good. Her lungs are good. She doesn't have any respiratory issue to be in ICU anymore. Um, although she's still paralyzed um you're not in intensive care anymore so you have to go back to the pediatric floor which i dreaded because they were so great to us in icu and i knew already how they were with us in on the pediatric floor um so they sent us back to the pediatric floor and we were there for another five days so at this point it was two weeks total no improvement she was on a feeding tube um really nothing they wanted to send us home with this diagnosis of Guillain-Barre which there's no treatment there's no cure for it um and it just like in my gut and my heart it didn't feel like this is what it is um she wasn't on a trach a lot of people with Guillain-Barre are on a trach because their um whole their lungs go paralyzed um their um swallowing goes paralyzed um, our speech therapist in the hospital did mention that the reason why Veda is not able to take food by mouth is because she could be dealing with some paralysis of her esophagus. Um, and it was too much of a danger. She could aspirate if she was trying to take bottles by mouth. And then that goes into the lungs and could cause a whole nother a set huge, of problems. Yes. Okay. And so... Um, as much as I hate that tube, um, obviously her her well-being is the most important. Mm-hmm. Um, but I still didn't feel like it was Guillain-Barre. Everything that I was reading, it says Guillain-Barre starts from the paralysis, starts from the feet up. I knew Veda's paralysis started from the head down. Um, little things that we were learning. We were joining all these support groups on Facebook, trying to get answers. Um, Guillain-Barre usually doesn't happen twice. And now we're realizing her episode at four months old, and this episode is more connected than we thought. Mm-hmm. Um, also, Guillain-Barre usually doesn't start under one year of age. Um, and so they were just saying, oh, this is an atypical presentation of Guillain-Barre, and that just wasn't good enough for me, um, for a mom. You know, it didn't make sense that, like, oh, she's just the rare, the rarity. Um, after we went back to the pediatric floor, I never saw that neurologist again. And it's like, well, Guillain-Barre is a neurological disorder. Um, and my neurologist isn't checking on me. So I started kind of like causing a stink to my nurses and doctors. Like, am I ever going to see this neurologist again? I have so many questions, millions of questions. One being, this started with a fever. How do I prevent it in the future? Especially you guys are starting to talk about discharge and, I need to know how to prevent this. Mm-hmm. Her episode at four months old started with a fever. This episode now started with a fever. Who do am I going to go through this every single time she goes through a fever? You know, nobody could give me answers. Nobody could help me at all. And um, I backing up before we went into ICU, um, I started demand to be transferred to a higher level of care to a hospital that has pediatric specialties Um And um, since that neurologist came in and gave her a working diagnosis of Guillain-Barre, the hospital told me that we couldn't be transferred because they had that transfusion treatment, the IVIG, available at Renown. So another hospital wouldn't take us because... Local resources could be used. Yes, exactly. And um, had I known in that moment that I needed to ask more questions like what happens after, we still could have been transferred. But I was just looking for hope and looking for an answer. So I didn't push to continue to be transferred. Well, by this point... Um, They gave us an offer to be transferred to a rehabilitation facility in Salt Lake City. Um, I didn't really want to go that route. Of course, I want Veda to be rehabilitated, but I, I I needed a diagnosis. And like an actual confirmed diagnosis. And so um, the hospital got back to Renown and they said, unfortunately, because of her age, which we keep running into, um, they won't see her for rehabilitation. So I called. My husband was not on board with transferring. He was scared for us to leave the state. He might have to work. It's understandable. I mean, this is all the unknown. And you guys are trying to plan the unknown. Yes. I don't fault him for that at all. And I, I was scared, too. But for some reason, when you become a mom, something inside of you works differently than you ever knew that it could. The mama bear syndrome. Yeah. And it's like, I just had this, like 
demanding fight inside of me that it was like, no, I got to go. I got to go somewhere else. I cannot go home right now in this condition. Um, My sister called my insurance company pretending to be me and she got things moved. I don't know what she said, but she's good at negotiating. (laughs) And um, she got insurance to approve a transfer. She got insurance to approve everything. And so when I came back to the doctors, they're like, well, this could take a few days because insurance. And I was like, well, insurance is they're ready. They're ready to sign. In fact, here's the reference number. Here's the phone number you need to call. And they were like, oh, wow, like this never happens. And I'm like, well, it's happened and we need to get this moving along. So um, I call my mother-in-law and I just tell her like, I feel this is not her diagnosis and then we got to go. And I need your support because your son is a little scared of what the next step is going to be. And he's not really on board with me pushing the doctors. And um, she 100% was like, you're her mom. You know. If you know, I'm with you. And if you think this is what you need to do, I will make Brad feel more comfortable. I will do whatever I have to do to help support you in in doing getting this moved along. And so thank God I had that because... Um, it gave me just even the more fight that I needed. Um, Brad being so fearful was kind of making me second guess. Like, is this the right thing? Am I just being ridiculous? You know? Mm. Um, so we went, we got some good sleep that night that, Oh, uh, and then that night, um, my mother-in-law had mentioned that they, they work with somebody who is very high up at renown. And, um, she's like, I'm going to just shoot her an email and just see if it helps at all. Well, it did. And that person was in our hospital room at 9am the next morning. And she made sure all the steps that needed to be taken were taken. And they came into our room and they said, you leave in four hours, you got a bed in Salt Lake, you're being transported medically, not for rehabilitation, for um, a reevaluation and a higher level of care. Um, And so just like that, I ran home, packed. I don't even know what I packed. I mean, I was in a blur, you know, at the same time, our house is being remodeled. So my life was a disaster. Mm -hmm. I'd spent two weeks in the hospital. My house is in shambles. I don't know where anything is. My husband and I are hanging on by a thread. Veda's hanging on by a thread in a sense. And um, it just was like an outer body experience, I guess. Mm -hmm. Um, So we take the flight. I always thought I would fly private in a different situation. (laughs) It wasn't exactly... (laughs) what was in the cards yeah (laughs) i just hope that it is i never have to take a medical private flight and i really get to take a fun private flight one day yeah because it was not what i expected but um the nurses and the pilots were amazing and they transported me in veda to salt lake city to primary children's hospital and as soon as we got there we had teams of doctors in our room and they were in there for an hour at a time talking to us, making sure we understood what we were about to go through and what they were going to do next and what their plan of approach was. Um, at this time, when we first got there, they were baffled too. They like, nobody really were like, well, you know, we haven't seen this where we, they thought it was botulism and I prayed for it to be botulism. No parent prays for that, but mm-hmm. at least it's an answer. And because if it were botulism for her, she wasn't um, paralyzed to the fact that she needed to be on an intubator or a trach or anything like that. So we knew that if it was botulism, she was going to get through it. It just botulism takes time. Yeah. And the reason why we prayed for botulism is because botulism lives deep in the earth, like in spores, and Brad digs swimming pools. And so it made sense to us that those dirt spores could have gotten into our house. We're also remodeling. All It, it could have been a number of reasons that it was botulism. So we really hung on to that. Um, sorry. No, you're good. <laughs> um, so botulism test takes a long time takes about um, a week and a half to get results back for, and the whole testing process is wild to try to get the test back and how it's like the oldest, you know, they feed feces to a rat. Nobody tests like that anymore. Most things are done in a lab. So that takes a while. It was torture to wait for those results. Um, But while we were waiting, our team of doctors, our neurologists, our pediatric team, our um, rehabilitation team, they were working hard. They would all sit in a room together just with ideas of like, okay, what could this be? What could this be? 
They said it sent in a genetics doctor and um, the genetic doctor took a look at her and he said, if it's not botulism, we need to start genetic testing. And um, never in my mind did I even think that it was something genetic because I was born with a healthy daughter. I had a healthy pregnancy. She's passed all of her genetic tests in the very beginning of her life. Um, she was hitting You're all of, healthy. Yeah. Brad's healthy. Yeah. Hit all of her milestones. And so it was like, okay, yeah, we'll try that. But it was not anything even in the forefront of my mind. Um, so um, fast forward a couple days, the um, neurology team came back in and they said, okay, we are going to go ahead and go through with this genetic testing. Um, we're going to send a genetic counselor in because um, if you guys um, sign off on it, we want to do genetic testing on you guys too, parents, me and Brad. Mm-hmm. Because then they can help identify if it is genetic, if it was something that we created, or if it's just a one-off random genetic um, phenomenon that happens in, in a person. Um they also um, had a sign off of like, do we want to know her whole genetic panel? Like, will she get breast cancer one day? Do I have a gene? All these things. And so it was a lot to digest um, on top of everything else that we were digesting yeah. in the hospital. Um, um, and that's hard in itself because your mind is running a million miles an hour. The what ifs, what if this, what if that, what if uh, I could everything only, yeah. everything no and I'm so grateful because my sister she has had the ability to just to drop things and come be in the hospital with us um just for support but also when you're hearing and you know when you're hearing stuff from a doctor sometimes yep. you black out mm-hmm. and um it, there at least there was one other person in the room who Heard had it. one degree of separation that can really digest and process it that yeah helped me more than anything because Mm -hmm. I am the kind of person when I'm hearing traumatic information, I, I black out, you know? Yeah. And so she was like, this is just my opinion, but I think that you guys should just do the basic genetic testing. And right now there's no need to know if she's going to have cancer one day because you're already trying to process such a big deal thing. You know, we're three weeks in, in the hospital and my daughter's still paralyzed mm-hmm. her fever's gone but she's in severe pain she has this dystonia this stiffness with her arms where they just like kick out in her legs and nobody can figure out what's going on and so this just happened to be brad and i's wedding anniversary and so she's like why don't you guys go out to dinner tonight and um just kind of process all this you know and i'll stay in the hospital um with veda and um just take a minute to just figure out what you guys want to do so Brad and I went out and <clears throat> even him, he's like, it's not genetic. It's not. And, and, um, my sister said, you know, it could be genetic. Sometimes you, your kid could be nine and all of a sudden a genetic difference shows up one day. It's not just something that you would know. Yeah. And I guess I maybe not ever being a parent or being naive to not knowing anybody with a genetic condition, at least that I'm aware of, um, I just didn't think that's how it worked. I would think I would have known from birth, you know, yeah, or from pregnancy. And so we decided to go ahead with the genetic testing. And, um, you know, we went and did our blood. Veda did her blood. And um, that also takes a really long time. So they decided that they wanted to discharge us um, while we wait for testing. Because again, Veda doesn't have a medical need to still be in the hospital because she never had heart problem, breathing problem, anything like that. Um, They said we were going to go home with a feeding tube, which was mind-blowing and scary, um, and a baby that's paralyzed. Um, But we would have all the resources we need for help um, and that they would be in contact as soon as these results came back. Um, so we were out of the hospital for probably five days waiting on pins and needles for this testing. And they said it could take anywhere between seven to 14. And I was under the impression if we got results back sooner, that meant they didn't find something. But I guess Brad and my sister understood it as, um, the sooner we get information, that means they did find something. The longer means that they didn't because they went through every gene. There's like 30,000 genes, you know? Yeah. So we get a phone call. Um, 
Brad gets the phone call. He's at work and he like three ways me in to the phone call. And it just happened to be my birthday, which sucks because I'm always going to remember that day as Veda's diagnosis day. Um, but um, they told us that Veda has an extremely rare gene muta- neurological gene mutation um, called ATP1A3, and it's a neurological movement condition. It's not something that um, Brad or I gave to her, like that we created. Um, we have less than a 1% chance to ever have this happen again. Um, but it is a disorder that if Veda one day were ever to have kids, she has a 50% chance of passing it on, which is crazy. Um, It's just one of those rare things that occurs with DNA, and um, it happens in her brain. Um, There's a lot of different triggers for it. Um, A trigger, so a trigger, let's talk about that. So a trigger would be a fever. A trigger could be her getting stressed out about something, Mm -hmm. overwhelmed with Mm -hmm. things, Mm -hmm. if she cried too much, things like that, right? Exactly. So um, Veda's triggers are fever or illness-induced, heat or temperature. That's what we know right now. Um, This gene, um, there's there's about a thousand people in the world that have um, this genetic mutation, so it's extremely rare. There's no cure and there's not really treatment for it. There's a lot of people that are working on treatment for it, and I hope that in Veda's life, that she gets a treatment. Um, Is there anything similar to it that they are, that they have a little bit more information? Like, let's say, for instance, it falls under, like, something like MS or... So there like are moving gene therapies that. for other genetic uh, conditions okay. um, that people do. They're working on a study right now um, with a bunch of mice where they gave this gene to mice, basically, um, and like they had to birth them and everything. And now um, they have a ton of mice that have this gene mutation that they're trying to work on a gene therapy on. And so well, these thousand people have parents who are um working hard and um there's a foundation there's everything a ton of people that are trying to find the answers basically there's doctors that the doctor that discovered this is out of boston or is out of um buffalo um they're doing studies on this they want to study everybody with this condition so they can find more answers Mm -hmm. um the triggers for other people are physical activity exertion emotional stress anxiety frustration fatigue lack of sleep um it just really depends um on what causes this um the atp1a3 gene it basically i'll kind of like explain it a little bit um but it's basically like our cells um they they tell it to make a protein it's kind of like a recipe um and um it's responsible for transporting substances um sodium and potassium back and forth so it's like our brain's battery pack essentially okay and um, most people's um Sodium turns into potassium, which gives them the energy that they need to function. Um, Veda's is working at like 50%. So her potassium, her sodium isn't turning into potassium. And so her brain isn't doing what it needs to do, essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, sodium and potassium are really essential ions to how our brain processes everything. Um, and for her, it it's like the well for everybody it's the nerve cell communication it's what makes muscle contractions it it maintains balance um it it maintains your the balance of your fluids um and it's like the gatekeeper of everything in your body basically okay um one of the conditions associated with the ATP1A3 gene mutation is called alternating hemiplegia of childhood, and that is the um, biggest one that a lot of k- people are seeing that kids are having um, with this ATP1A3 gene. Um, and that's a rare neurological disorder. Um, I know I made you watch that horrific oh documentary. I don't even want to talk about that yet, uh, but I do want to get into that. But so really quick on this, they're, f- they're, they're finding it starting in small children. Yes. So it's not like it's something that's happening to 30-year-olds, 40-year-olds. It's something that's happening to infants, toddlers? Mostly. But there have been like 22-year-olds, 27-year-olds that are recently diagnosed because a trigger sometimes is binge alcohol drinking is what causes their trigger. 
And everybody has a specific mutation of this gene. Okay. Veda's specific mutation of this gene, she's one of 35 in the whole world. Wow. And so um, other people, they have the disorder of ATP1A3, but their gene mutation is a little different. So it presents itself at different times. Mostly it happens before 18 18 months old because things happen, fever, stress, crying, panic, all these other things. But um, binge alcohol drinking could be somebody else's trigger. So there are some adults that have been diagnosed later in life when they just, that's when they've came across whatever that is for them okay um so i do go over to your house um i am trying to comfort you anything that i could mm-hmm. do that's i mean like we have a strong circle here that i have, feel is is strong enough to help you guys get through this right mm-hmm. so that was my free weekend um where i was in town because i was out of town when this all started but I came over to your house to do dinner, bring dinner, whatever it is I can, and you want to watch this documentary. Mm-hmm. And you said that you couldn't watch it by yourself. And so we all decide that we're going to watch it, the four of us that are at your house, and we put it on. I couldn't. Like, I just couldn't. It's like, horrific. Th- it's terrible. It's a horrific and it, diagnosis. it literally, it, it sucks any hope that you have out of the situ out of an unknown situation in the long mm-hmm. run right and watching this was i felt like i just watching you mm-hmm. watch watch it like i my heart was breaking mm-hmm. for something we didn't even really know if that was gonna go that direction right right i had so much emotion mm-hmm. that night for it mm-hmm. to the point where pat turned it off mm-hmm. and i knew you were really upset and mm-hmm. i could feel that mm-hmm. And I'm not letting you go through this kind of stuff by yourself. Mm -hmm. So I came in to comfort you and Mm -hmm. I just let you let loose. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. So you were able to let things out. I held you Mm -hmm. because I fucking love you more Mm -hmm. than you could ever imagine. And I want you to make sure that you understand that we got this. Like whatever life plan is at this point, we're going to figure it out. Right. Right. I am 100% still in this processing phase. I have not processed all of this. Um, when they told us the day that they called us and told us about the gene mutation, ATP 183, um, there are, uh, uh, it's like an umbrella diagnosis and there are other um, sim- like diagnoses underneath that. So mm-hmm. we didn't know yet at that time what her diagnosis was. Um, one of them is the AHC, which is alternating hemiplegia of childhood. And that's the documentary. We that's watched. the documentary. It's it's called okay. um, Human Time Bob, um, which we didn't know if we wanted that diagnosis or not. None of them are good underneath it. Um, the next one is RPD, which is uh, or RDP, which is rapid onset dystonia Parkinsonism, and then the other one is something called Capos. There are a few other little di- um, diagnoses as well, but these are like the three main ones. That, how this gene presents itself, none of them are good. All of them are going to affect Veda's quality of life for the mm-hmm. rest of her life. Um, hers may not specifically alter the length of her life, but because hers is illness induced and it causes paralysis, um, there could be a time that her body is not strong enough to fight off some sort of infection um so we have to live our lives completely different than we ever thought we would have to mm-hmm. um i'm grieving so much i can't even start to unload on that but um the childhood you thought you would have for your you know children and um now what we might be looking at is going to be different mm-hmm. um the alternating hemiplegia of childhood, that's a rare neuro- neurological disorder that appears early childhood that causes ter- temporary paralysis and weakness, um, among other symptoms. And so she is showing signs of that one. Um, but her neurologist um, did feel that right now her working diagnosis is rapid onset dystonia Parkinsonism. Um, that one is uh, also extremely rare condition. It causes um, sudden and severe muscle contractions, abnormal movements, and other Parkinson's-like symptoms. Um, there's no cure or treatment. Um, obviously, Parkinson's, Parkinson's, there's no treatment for. Um, Veda has both. She has paralysis, but she also has this stiff dystonia in her arms, in one of her legs, and in her back. She's in a lot of pain. Um they sent us home with a slew of medications um, that we have been 
giving her all hours of the day to try to um, get her out of this. These are called episodes. And um, that's why that show is called a, uh, that documentary is called Human Time Bomb, because you just don't know when these episodes are going to appear. And you don't know how long they're going to last. Yes. Is that correct? Yes. Okay. So um, some episodes last hours, some last weeks, um, some last a month. Um, I've been asking these support groups that I'm in because Veda's on day 46 and she's still not out of her episode. Um, if that seems long and a lot of them are saying that that's not their experience, but this is a spectrum disorder. And because there's so few, there's no way to compare one child's symptoms and severity to another child's symptoms and severity, um, just because they land on different gene mutations. Mm -hmm. Um, so they are studying all this and even these parents are putting together um, spreadsheets of like okay this person has this exact gene mutation and this is their symptoms these are the medications that are working for them because even our neurologist said we are going to be the ones that become the experts in this they don't know enough about it yet they haven't had enough well 35 cases in the world Brittany I know 35 in the world I know it's it's wild I've been talking to a mother That's... in Israel and um Although her son doesn't have the exact mutation that Veda has, she has just been such an advocate to like try to show me or tell me like reach out to this person, get in with this neurologist, have this study done, take this medication um, because they have worked for her. And all these parents I'm finding in the support group, it's crazy that I'm even a part of a community of something that I didn't even know existed. Mm -hmm. I would have rather had so many other diagnoses than this this is truly every parent's worst nightmare because you don't know when it's gonna you don't know when it's gonna end when is this episode that we're in ever gonna end like my sister just sent me last night information for a lady who's wants to talk to me all these parents i can't wait till i get there they want to help and they want to talk to other parents that are newly going through this because they know how dark it is and they know how scary it is and how traumatic it is and this mom that my sister spoke to um said that her child's episode lasted for one year and um they haven't had an episode since that i don't know how's the child now I'm not positive yet. It was okay. just like a basis of information she gave me this morning. Um, but the child just has like days of profound weakness, but it's not necessarily an episode. Um, her child's is also fever induced. And so um, I will reach out to her. It's just been really hard for me to like wrap my head talking to other parents because some kids, they don't walk. Some kids are nonverbal. And I'm just not ready to process that sort of information. 100% understandable. And That's so understandable, Brittany. But I want to learn because I want to advocate as best yeah. as I can. I want to help research. We've tried to sign Beta up for a ton of different research studies. But because of her age, she's too young. They can't ask her questions about what she's going through. Mm -hmm. um, we did get approved for a dystonia um, study, which is great because her... Dystonia yesterday was so bad, and I want to, more than anything, more than her paralysis, I want to find what we can give her to get her out of this pain, this terrible pain of stiffness, and um, she's so confused, and she's, she knows what her abilities were, and you can just tell the frustration on her face. She's so sick of laying there. It's been 46 days. She used to be able to move about our house, and we would go places, and she could say dada and she could do all these things and it's just been a nightmare um on her birthday she woke up so she just turned one last this last week and um she woke up that morning and she i really have a lot of faith that she won't be nonverbal. she wants to talk so bad like she's just uh, making all these noise with her voice box but Dysfa dysphagia I think it's called is one of the symptoms of this which is paralysis of your voice your vocal cords mm -hmm. and um, I feel like those are coming back and not that she has any pur purposeful words yet but today Brad and I swear she said dada oh that <laughs> and makes my heart happy my sister said when she was here she swore she heard da and so I just you know we have her speech therapy starts this week um we have a dietitian therapy this week to try 
to get her on different foods to get her strength because she's one year. We have her in OT, um, and we're still trying to find a a physical therapist that'll work with a one-year-old. Unfortunately, we don't have specialties in this town, which is crazy. And we don't have access to people that want to work with children under the age of two because for some reason they think it's only developmental and Vedas isn't developmental. It's illness, you know, or Mm -hmm. disability. And, um, so we're working really hard. Um, I had a therapist reach out to me that we were working with at renown and, um, I don't think you're supposed to keep in contact with your doctors and therapists, but so many people just love Veda and our story that they want to help. And, um, she's trying to get me in contact with her uh, physical therapist she trained under. Um, so we're just praying that we get that spot. Um, insurance doesn't cover a lot of these things because they are under a certain age, which is crazy. We're trying to work with insurance and fight with insurance to make exceptions. Um, you just don't realize the lack of support medically and insurance wise until you go through a situation. And it blows my mind that people have had to go through this and I, I had no clue. Yeah. You know, it is, it, it's a failed system. It really is a failed system when it comes to pharmaceutical companies, hospitals, doctors, and insurance. Mm -hmm. It really is a failed Mm -hmm. system. And that is, I think one of the downfalls of our country. Mm -hmm. I really truly believe that because it shouldn't make a difference. Right. It shouldn't, money shouldn't make a difference when it comes to sickness. And treatment. And Mm -hmm. treatment, Mm -hmm. correct. It shouldn't make a difference. It should be all are created equal and we need to heal where we can, where we have the ability to heal. Not recommended by a doctor, not after we do these trial runs or Mm -hmm. test runs Mm -hmm. or once you're approved with your insurance company. Like I think, I really think that I mean, there's so many things wrong with the system. So many. But I mean, I've been there. Like, been, I'm not saying I've been no, there with this, no, but no, I've but been there with so many unknowns with David. There was so many, there was so many like, okay, well, we're going to try this. Well, you're going to try this because you don't know. Right. You don't know whether it's the lupus that's causing the kidneys to shut down, the blood clotting disorder that's causing the lupus to flare up, which causes the kidney. Mm-hmm. Like there's so many. And so it was mm-hmm. always a new, it was always a new like road or path we would have to take just to see if Mm -hmm. there was a change or progression or you know decreased whatever Mm -hmm. you know and with there only being 35 cases in the world you have to think about and we live in a pretty big town it's not like this is a tiny little dinky town Mm -hmm. in the middle of Mm -hmm. you know wisconsin or whatever where there's two thousand people Mm -hmm. right there's half a million people that live here yep. in northern Nevada. And that's what blew my mind. Yeah. You would think that there would be. But when you say that there's only 35 cases of something like this in the world, the first thing that comes to my mind is what about all these tiny little places all around the world that don't have this level of care or these doctors that know more information you know you just have this little mom and pop Mm -hmm. doctor that's been the family pediatrician the entire time and then like who knows like if there's other kids out there that that's what we're finding is that they think that there's actually a ton of um children and people with these diagnoses that have been undiagnosed because they don't have access to a doctor first of all genetic testing um we haven't gotten that bill yet but um i hear it's twelve thousand dollars i I hope my insurance covers that, but we don't know yet. Um, so some people are unable to actually do the genetic testing. Yeah. And so that makes they, sense. Yeah, absolutely. It makes sense that you get sent home with a diagnosis and you're just physically and mentally exhausted with everything that you've just gone through that you're okay with. Okay. This is the diagnosis and there's no treatment. So this moving on, mm-hmm. this is life. Mm-hmm. Right. And not there's, I guarantee that there's parents out there that are lost and they don't know what to do. So they just settle. Mm-hmm. Not a lot of people have the ability to advocate like you do mm-hmm. right and yep. talk to those doctors and do your research i mean these small towns around the world around the world mm-hmm. they're not going to have the ability they're just going to be fine with the initial diagnosis 
and moving on with their life with that diagnosis with no hope no treatment no recovery Mm -hmm. there uh, were a lot of parents who in the support group i have found that um are saying that their child was also diagnosed with Guillain-Barre. And so it's just like a surface diagnosis because it's like, these are your symptoms. There's no test for it. So this is what it is to shut them up. I don't know. But it, it, I can only imagine how many parents are actually going through what I'm going through, but they have just settled with some other diagnosis. Um, and even with that, um, they don't have like you said, a town or a city, thank God we were able to go to Salt Lake. You yeah. know, California has a bunch also, um, but they couldn't get us in for so such a like a long amount of time. And I wanted Veda to be seen while she was still in this condition and not wait till it happened again next time. Correct. Um, so that was where like my fight came from. I couldn't wait any longer. You know, I needed to know. And um, there, there is a doctor at Duke University, and he has been studying these thousand plus cases of this gene mutation. And he is the one who he understands the protein and the sodium or the potassium and the sodium and how they work together. And he's so close to a treatment, but he doesn't have the funds. Pharmaceutical companies don't want to fund a treatment for a diagnosis that there's only a thousand or 35 cases. It doesn't make them money. And they're not interested in creating a medication to help, help a thousand this. people exactly and the, so this doctor is trying so hard to work towards a, a um, treatment for parkinson's because if he has the treatment for parkinson's there's so many people that live and suffer from parkinson's uh, parkinson's that he can help and treat parkinsonism which is what veda has been got this working diagnosis on but it can also treat the other one ahc because of the same there's a lot of things that correlate with the brain and how it does with parkinson's but it's just crazy that he knows he's been working on it you know this thing was only diagnosed like only got discovered in 2012 that's crazy so it's like we this is still so new um another doctor told us that we should be grateful that and he didn't mean this in a bad way, but we should be grateful that, you know, we had beta in 2022 and they know so much more about genes because in the nineties when Brad and I were kids, they knew nothing about genes Mm -hmm. and they wouldn't have ever even been able to come to this, you know, there wouldn't even have been social media with support groups for us to find other parents. How would I ever find a mom in Israel that knows what I'm going through or, you know, a mom in upstate New York. I mean, there's just moms everywhere that are wanting to reach out to me and help. I'm just not ready yet. Yeah. But it's amazing that there's that community that is there and that there's these strong figures in the world that are wanting to help anywhere mm-hmm. that they can. And this is going to be you at some point, Brittany. Oh, for sure. And you have to realize that, that at some point you're going to be giving all of everything that you went through and your spreadsheet and medication list and all of this stuff to someone else down Absolutely. the way. And, and I want to help. Any it's like way full that circle, right? Mm-hmm. And it'll just come full circle all the way around again mm-hmm. to where you're in that position to be able to help others. And this way it's, progressing more in a positive way because other people are getting support where they didn't think that they could find it in the Mm -hmm. long run you know absolutely and that's i mean it's hard enough with what you guys are going through as a family to take care of Ada. it's hard enough to try and figure out these doctors these tests these therapists this these medications all on your own but my biggest thing is how are you doing how are you doing? Like, how are mm-hmm. you physically and mentally doing right now? Because if you aren't working properly, Brittany, right, this isn't going to happen for Veda. I know. And that's my biggest concern right now, because there's a team of people mm-hmm. working on Veda right now. There's not a team of people working on Brittany mm-hmm. or working on Brad mm-hmm. or making sure that you guys can get through things. Mm-hmm. These support groups, I think are great. Your mm-hmm. friends, your family that mm-hmm. are here to support you. We're here for you. Mm-hmm. Because everybody else is working on Veda right now. Right. I can't do anything about Veda. I can't help. I don't have diagnoses. I don't have, I mean, I'm looking to date a pediatric neurologist now. (laughs) So let's put that out there in the, because I asked you one day and I'm like, how can I help? Because I just want to help anywhere I possibly can. Whether if that's, I'll come to your house, do the laundry. Which you did. And you did like do dinners, whatever it is, little things like that. Like I can, I could do that all day long. 
But you said for me to become a doctor and at 45, this at 45, I just don't think that that's quite my path. But um, so I have put it out there in the world and I'm connecting with people who are in the medical industry trying to find my person and my person He's has a single, to be. He's a single, single, you know, probably in his late 40s, early Perfect. 50s. He's um, out there. Uh, he he's out there, and he's gonna find you because I need him. <laughs> he's gonna find me, and we're and it's gonna be amazing for yeah. all of us. Yeah. So, but my biggest my biggest thing is making sure that you're healthy. Yeah. You. What are you doing to try and stay focused to keep you going? I mean, I'm gonna be honest. I am unwell. I am holding it together by a thread, and um, yeah. It's not easy. It, there's nothing glamorous about this lifestyle I'm going to have. Um, my daughter needs around-the-clock care. She is in, able to do anything herself. Um, so I'm my hands are constantly busy. We don't sleep like we used to. We don't get to play like we used to. Um, my laundry piles up, as you've seen and helped with. My... I can't cook dinner. I mean, like, my whole life has changed. I went from being, like, a mom to this thriving little girl. Uh, I became, I was an independent businesswoman. I can't work anymore. I mean, my whole, my marriage is different, you know. And not in, like, any way, but you just, my time, I don't have time, we don't have time for each other, you know. So, my one phone call changed my whole life. Yeah. And it's crazy that life can change that quick <laughs> i love you um i love you so much it's crazy it is crazy it's, it is crazy it's not fair this you know every parent who's had to go down this road that i'm on right now in this journey i just i had no idea and i'm i'm sad for anybody who's in these any type of shoes um but a mom said sent me a poem last night and i want to read it because it she said, you know, you need to be in the right headspace in order to really take it in. And um, don't say that yet, because I want to close it out with your poem. OK. Um, but know that your circle here in Reno is here to support you with whatever it is that it is, whatever it is that you need. You have friends, you have family, you have an amazing sister and brother-in-law and nephew in Texas that are willing to drop everything to help with things know that your circle of friends here I, in Reno they are. are here to help you you have I've such an amazing amazing circle and I'm I'm blessed to call this my circle too because yeah. five years ago I was in your shoes not the but heels that sense. you wear I'm definitely more of the Doc Martens but I was there and I had this amazing circle around me then and it helped me get through some of my weakest moments mm -hmm. and it helped me get through to be the strong parent that I needed to be for my kids. Mm -hmm. Know that you have these same the same circle I, and we all love you and we're all here. Whatever this path is, we're taking it together mm -hmm. and I hope you know that. We're, we're doing things, we're planning things, events, fundraisers. We had the meal train going um, that was bringing you meals or gift cards. People are bringing you dinners. We raised a bunch of money on that one. Tons. We're looking to do a couple more events. Um, anything that we could do in a community that wants to help the people we love that's what we're here for i think one thing that has gotten both brad and i through we just like sit up at night amazed by the circle that we get to call our friends and family like we have seen and i hope nobody has to be in these situations to see it but just like how loved we are and how loved veda is i mean from the littlest thing from phone calls to a delivery to a meal to funds to just knowing that people care about us and what we're going through mm -hmm. has really kept kept our heads held held higher than they were because we are in a dark place and i don't mean that because like we need the sympathy or anything like that but we're just learning how to navigate this new life that we're going to be on and all of that's going to take time it's going to take time it doesn't happen overnight right and this is an entire lifestyle change mm -hmm. for all of you mm -hmm. lifestyle we, change it's not like this is a temporary situation that's gonna possibly get better 
we all hope that everything and Beta is will write her own story exactly with this. but right now it's a bunch of unknowns and just you just have to get through it and the only way you're going to get through it is with your tribe mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. so we all love you i know we love you to death and, and we feel we're it. here we're here for you for everything mm-hmm. so hopefully we get a chance to do this a little bit more often uh mm-hmm. we talked about before this podcast that we could do it from your home mm-hmm. um i'm gonna look into purchasing a little travel unit and i can come straight to you so mm-hmm. it's not such an inconvenience for you to be around veda um if we have to do some on zoom i have the capabilities of mm-hmm. doing that but our audience wants to know what's going on mm-hmm. they've reached out they want to know how they can help any way they possibly can and if you guys have ideas or ways to or connections or maybe you know that single pediatric neurologist that uh, is going to be my and we husband we're willing to travel and you probably are willing I'm, to I'm date willing, long distance you know? <laughs> i am willing to travel <laughs> for that neurologist um, so we, yeah we're looking in, in, into you know you, you shouldn't just sit with one opinion and the obviously a, agree with a that genetic one. test is going to be true yeah. but um we need to find the right doctor that knows um how to treat dystonia in a little baby how to treat the paralysis in a little baby and so we uh, des is looking up and down we think we found one in dallas which would be amazing because i have a home base there um a customer of brad's has reached out and they made a connection in phoenix we are willing i'll go anywhere um and uh, I'll exhaust every penny that I have to make sure that Veda is well taken care of. Um, so if anybody has resources that way, um, as far as like neurologists, doctors, um, anything like that, that would be incredible. Um, and then help with, you know, this fundraiser is going to be amazing. And I want to be able to help also these research fu- efforts because mm-hmm. I want Veda to have a cure in her life. She yeah. deserves that. She does not deserve to live with what she's been faced with. I agree. And that's the most heartbreaking part is that Veda doesn't deserve this. No. Nope. And you guys don't deserve it either. I know. You guys are such good people. I know. Well, we love you. So let's close it out with this poem that she sent you. So another mom sent this to me and she said, you have to be in the right mindset to read it. And I did read it last night, probably sooner than I needed to, but um, it really resonated with me. And it's called Welcome to Holland. When you're going to have a baby, it's like planning a fabulous vacation trip to Italy. You buy a bunch of guidebooks and you make wonderful plans. The Colosseum, the Michelangelo, David, gondolas in Venice. You learn some handy phrases in Italian. It's all very exciting. After months of eager anticipation, the day finally arrives. You pack your bags and you go. Several hours later, the plane lands and the stewardess comes on and says, Welcome to Holland. Holland, you say. What do you mean, Holland? I signed up for Italy. I'm supposed to be in Italy. All my life I've dreamt of Italy. But there's been a change in plans. They've landed in Holland, and there you must stay. The important thing is that they haven't taken you to a horrible, disgusting, filthy place full of pestilence, famine, and disease. It's just a different place. So you must go now, buy new guidebooks, and you must learn a whole new language. You will meet a whole new group of people you would have never met. And it's just a different place. It's slower paced than Italy. It's less flashy than Italy. But after you've been there for a while, you catch your breath and you look around and you begin to notice that Holland has windmills. Holland has tulips. Holland even has Rembrandts. But everyone you know is busy coming and going from Italy. And for the rest of your life, you will say, yes, that's where I was supposed to go. And that's what I had planned. But if you spent your whole life mourning the fact that you didn't get to go to Italy, you may never... Be free and enjoy the special, very lovely things about Holland. That's beautiful. So, although I really have not accepted this yet, I just want to embrace the life that we were given. And I want to give Veda everything that I can. Um, And you are. You are. And it's not what I had imagined. But motherhood isn't. Motherhood is never what you imagine. It's never perfect. It's never these books that you read all about how easy it's going to be. Um, it's a journey. It's a journey mm-hmm. that you have to figure out together. Yeah. So you got to stay strong. Yeah. You're going to stay strong. You got to stay focused. And again, you have the most amazing people in your life do have an to help you to help with group. all the bullshit that you don't have to worry about. Yeah. So know that we're here. I know. And our listeners are really going to appreciate you telling your story. Yeah. There's going to be lots more, I'm sure. Yeah. Maybe some painful ones, maybe some funny ones mm-hmm. along the way um, of this j- new journey with Veda. But uh, we are all here to support you and do whatever we can. So we love you. We love you so much, Brittany. Thank you. And I love you and I appreciate you and everybody that has reached out and helped and 
been so generous and kind. I just don't know how I would have gotten through without our system of people. Well, well the Beatles said it best. All you need is love, right? It's true. All you need is love and everything else falls into place. So I want to thank this life ain't for everybody podcast series. Thank you for believing in us. We're back. We're back. We're back. And it feels so good to be back. Just I mean, even if it's an hour here and there that we're able to do this. Um, I appreciate you taking the time to come out here today. I know you could use a different environment for a minute. Mm-hmm. So nice I hope out. we get to do these on a little bit more of a regular basis, whether if I'm just coming to you and sitting with you in your living room and we do it there, we do it over a computer, whatever it is. So we're going to keep you guys posted in this new journey with Veda and send all your prayers and wishes and love to the Ledoux family right now. They need us more than ever right now. And we we're going to get through this. So Thank thanks you. again for being here. I love you, sister. I love you too, sis.